Good day, nerds. This is Megan, your book reviewer and author interviewer at the Nerd Cantina. Um, today's Cantina conversation, we're talking with Abigail Owen. We're talking about her upcoming release, The Liar's Crown, which comes out August 30th. Um, this was a super fun book, and I really, really enjoyed talking to Abigail about some of the, you know, commonalities and themes um, in her published works and also, you know, kind of how um, she toes the line with the steamy, intimate scenes for um, young adults. And so, but, you know, we'll let you go, guys go ahead and um, listen to the conversation. Here's Abigail Owen. Okay, so we've got Abigail Owen here. We're talking about The Liar's Crown. It comes out August 30th of few weeks out. Very exciting. Um, thank you, Abigail, for meeting with us today. I finished this book. I think it was, it was like either Sunday or yesterday. I think it was like, no, I think it was Sunday. So I'm like, it's like fresh in my fresh. brain. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And it was it's fresher you know, for you than for me, actually, probably. <laughs> oh, uh, probably. Yeah. Aside from like maybe the little quotes that you like trying to figure out for your marketing purposes or something. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to meet with us today. Like I said, I it's fresh in my brain and um, it was pretty easy to get hooked. And I really enjoyed all the characters and um you know i got i got sucked into those uh romantic moments and I, i'm i don't i didn't realize i was a sucker for those until like i read more and more of them and it was so authentic and believable which i appreciated so um i'm excited to chat with you more about it today yeah thank you so much oh i'm so glad you enjoyed it yeah definitely so um to get started let's go can you give like a synopsis or like summary so that like listeners can follow along with the conversation Absolutely. So our, our main character in the uh, point of view for pretty much the entire book is, is Marin, who is a, um, she's a twin princess, but she is hidden princess. So her entire role in life is to be the body double and kind of a decoy in times of danger for her twin sister who was born first, um, and is the true princess. And so, um, there's all sorts of political intrigue and there's a bad guy, of course. And so when a man made of shadow kidnaps, who he thinks is the real princess, he gets the wrong girl, and shenanigans ensue. <laughs> <laughs> galore. Um, so can you um like go over your background kind of leading up to how you came up with this story? Um, because I I was looking at your website and I was like, holy crap, I didn't realize you had so many published works under your belt. So um yeah, I'd like to kind of <laughs> dig in to see what led you to this next uh set of works. Sure, sure. So I started out more in the paranormal romance space, um, adult paranormal. And this is YA, really it's more upper YA, kind of into the new adult space and fantasy. And I started in paranormal actually because I had read romance my entire life and I had read fantasy and sci-fi my entire life as separate things. And it wasn't until Twilight, actually, that mm. I went, what? You can combine <laughs> these? This is amazing. <laughs> And decided to start writing paranormal romance. And the nice thing about paranormal is that because it's set in this world, there's, um, there's less world building that has to happen just in terms of like creating magic systems or religions or, you know, whatever it is that's going to feed into your story. <clears throat> and so fantasy was always a little bit, um, intimidating to me when I first started. And so I'm 10 years into it now from mm. first published book was 10 years ago, um, almost to the day. And so, um, I've done, 30, I think, books. 
in that space, somewhere in that number. Um, and also I have two other pen names. So I also, you know, branched out into contemporary romance in different ways and, um, love them to pieces, but I, I'll say paranormal and anything with kind of a supernatural, anything is, is really my jam. And so, um, as I've gone through, the process of um of writing all of those books world building really became my one of my favorite parts of mm. writing these books and i went you know what it's time for me to create my entire world from scratch and own the whole thing and really just dig into it and that's that's where this book came from yeah and you know what i can tell that you had fun with it and you want like you know, you kind of want, I could sense that you want your readers to have fun too. Cause it was, I don't know, it was like, cause this, you know, the first work I've read of yours. And so I, which is kind of cool. I was just going in, not really having anything <laughs> else of you to compare to, which was really yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, I just remember like just the, the details were vivid enough where I could just easily like, you know, just like picture it in my head. And, and, and I appreciate, I think a lot of readers appreciate when, when you're creating like such a fantasy, really out there um, environment and setting um, consistency is important. <laughs> so, and also if you're building a system to like, make sure that readers aren't like, what? Like, I don't get it. You know? <laughs> so um, I could tell that you, that that's, that you had fun with it and that you like really were like engaged in what you were doing. Thanks. I, I do. I have so much fun with the world building. And it's funny because my first few books in the paranormal space, the biggest critiques were there's no world building. They're like, mm. I just can't, you know, and I was like, world building, what do you mean? Like, who cares what that couch looks like as long as they have powers, <laughs> right? And it, I, it took a while for me to learn not only that world building wasn't about what that couch looked like, it was how that couch or so, you know, worked into the story and like furthered the plot, et cetera. But it also, took a while for me to be like, Oh gosh, this is the best part. Like this is the, um, other than the, so I started out as very much as a character writer. Um, and so the characters are who I see first, but then you've got to put them in a world and the world can mm. impact them in so many different ways. That's fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It, it is. Let's cause it's like, I, I appreciate, um, the character development, but I, and like, you know, you want multidimensional characters and you want them to grow and go through some stuff, but it's also like, yeah, like their environment, the setting is gonna almost be its own little character or like, you know, big, big picture character. And it's definitely how that the characters interact with it. And then you need those things called plots, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I I understand. And I appreciate how challenging um, that could be. And like writers a lot like yourself do the same thing. They want to like challenge themselves and try something new and, you know, go for, just go for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is fun. I think um I I the projects that I have the most fun with are the ones that scare me from the yeah. beginning. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. So it's it's a good sign, I guess. You're like, oh, yeah. like not yeah, because if you're treading on familiar territory, it's that's gonna have the most impact for sure. Um so like what draws you to the romance? What draws you to we could kind of like put it in multiple parts since you kind of figure in all these elements. So like what draws you to the romance aspect of things, what draws you to the paranormal, um, like the fantasy, things like that. Sure. So like I mentioned, I started reading them as separate genres, um, which actually was, I think kind of a good thing in a way in that um, I got to really get 
the depth of each of those separate genres by themselves and then mm. see how they combined in really cool ways um, after I'd really dug into them well. And so for me, the romance piece of it, romance has always been, um, I think, what I've been drawn to the most from a um, character and relationships story because it's kind of my opinion, this world is crap. <laughs> and I don't want to read stories that like, there's already enough angst and stuff going on in my own life or in the world in general, that it's like, yeah. you know what, there's already enough sad out there. Yeah. I want something with a guaranteed happy at the end. I guarantee, like, even though this is a trilogy, so the happy is going to be three, <laughs> three books away. <laughs> I try to give you a little happy. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, at least, you know, that the characters at the end are going to be together and they're going to be, you know, happy that for me is the romance plus i just like the butterflies that you get from those experiences and i've been married now 17 years so like my butterflies are different butterflies for me yeah. personally in my life so it's fun for me to read you know starting out relationship yeah. butterflies and, and get them kind of vicariously through the books yeah. <laughs> um, so that that for me is the the romance piece of it for the fantasy piece of it it really is just the only limit is your imagination. Um, and there are so many, so many different ways to explore that, whether it's from a true fantasy, different world perspective, whether it's just incorporating magical elements into the world we live in, whether it's sci-fi and going out into a universe, Star Wars style, like there's just so many different ways to do that. And you see that, I think, in all the different works that are out there, whether that's Dune or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or, you know, all those big ones, Avengers and the entire Marvel universe. Like mm. there's so many stories out there that can mm -hmm. be told. And even, I think even when you're, I, I love to incorporate, um, I like to incorporate fairy tales, including some that are very obscure um, and not always the, you know, the big ones that everybody knows. And those are fun. Mythology is fun to incorporate because that's humans already had lots of imagination. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, oh, so many things that you can draw from with those. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good point, too, where it's and then it kind of goes back into like the opportunity for for world building and to have m much more fun with that. And I think it's so cool that you kind of you combine the two and you know, cause you were like, what? Like I could do this. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Wait a minute. I get the whole imagination thing and the happily ever after. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. I like, I like that. I like that approach. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so kind of like, uh, touching on what you mentioned before where you do, um, both like new adult slash young adult and then like, adult adult so what's your process like when you decide like what age group a story is going for um do you start out with the age group first and then the story or do you see where the story is going and then you kind of figure out like kind of what you want to do with it i usually start with the characters and the the world first that always comes first um mm. regardless and um, and i think if you look at the best of both young adult slash new adult and you look at the best of adult stories there really is no differentiation the differentiation comes in how those characters are exploring the world is this the first time they're experiencing something or they do not have experience in this or that or is this you know a coming of age where they're really figuring out who they are and piece of it um and since it's romance the heat level i think is important to to yeah. look at and <laughs> um, and that's such a, such a fine line to walk. 
Um, which is why I say that it's upper YA slash new adult, because this really is aimed more at like 18 to 20, mm-hmm. you know, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have kids who are teenagers. I've told them that they're allowed to read this book, but they just get to skip that one. Right. <laughs> um, right. But I, um, I think, honestly, that everybody is always figuring out who they are a little bit. I'm, you know, in my mid 40s at this point, And it's, there's always some aspect of what next, like what, what's going on with me next, how have things impacted my life and how it's moving. It's always going to be different. Like you never quite, I don't think you ever quite figure out entirely <laughs> who you are. No, I don't think so. And I, I've come to terms with that too, where it's like, you know what, I think the best thing about reaching a certain age is kind of just owning that, like, like owning you just... it and not caring. I think exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a, yeah, absolutely. That's the best part about my forties is the, I just don't care what. Yeah. And it's a little liberating. Yeah. It's liberating. And you're just kind of like, well, yes, I made this mistake. I'm over it. Like learned and moved on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, for instance, you know, I've changed careers now a couple of times. And so I spent 10 years working as a business analyst for a very large tech company and then moved into writing books, completely Mm, (laughs) different mm world. Um, and so figuring out who I was in that moment and, um, you know, even as a mom, it's, I'm a mom, you know, of young kids is very different than I'm a mom of teenagers. Like what I'm dealing with, with them is very, very different. So yeah, there's yeah. always some aspect of what the heck, um, <laughs> going yeah. on. That's what I tell people like who are new parents. Cause my, my kids are like about to be five and then you know, 20 months old. I say toddler. Yeah. It's like, well, he's not, I don't know. He's in between 18 months and two years. So it's that, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, he'll be too like uh, Thanksgiving ish. Um, but yeah, so it's like, they're very young kids. And that's what I tell people who like have newborns. And I'm like, I don't know, man, like once you, once you got it down, they learn something and new change. and then you got to learn that yeah. new level. They go, for Sucker, them. I'm going to do it different now. Yeah. So true. yeah, yeah. It's not just like physical. It's, you know, of course, the emotional development too, where you're just oh, like, yeah. you want to, you want to tell them like, okay, like, it's not that serious. Like, you wanna, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you want to like, you kind of want to help them. Yeah. It's, it's definitely challenging. Definitely. So the, I like that point that you make. You're like, no, I don't know. My kids are teenagers and I'm still dealing with new things like all the time and still figuring it out, figuring it out every single day. So I like to pull those pieces into it. And I think it's a, I think that's a universal message no matter what age you are. Um, so really, yeah, the age comes definitely after the, the story. Um, I, I, I would probably change some of the romance where I to write a younger YA and, mm. you know, but that's just kind of where you are in life. I will say, and I find this kind of sad. And I found this true that when I was going through, cause I started reading romances when I was 12, my mom had a stack of them. And, um, once she realized I was interested in them, put the age I was allowed to read what well, each one on the inside cover. And, I found that there wasn't really a good transition group of books between like the Sweet Valley highs of the world, which Mm. were very, very younger teen and adult romance. Like there wasn't Mm. a, even though that is very much a transition you go through in life, like you go off in your, you know, late teens and early twenties and you figure out what all of that is and what it means to you (laughs) and what, you know, what you want your relationships to look like and 
what a good relationship looks like and what a bad one looks like. And and there's not a ton of that out there because if it's officially YA, then really they're aiming it more at 14, which isn't in that Mm. phase of life yet. And if it's officially new adult, that's in your mid twenties, which is like sort of that phase. Like it's, there's not a good transition phase there. And I like to aim at that group. That's good. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good goal too. Cause, um, yeah, I haven't read the lot of stuff I read is mostly why I guess I would say, but, um, then I'll get like a, I got like a chunk of cozy murder mysteries, which, mm, yep. you know, like older, older group. And then I've had like a couple of middle grade, which I'm like, it's really cool to see the differentiation, but that's interesting that you say like there are still like, there's the transition groups in between those. There are. Yeah. Know. There's yeah. absolutely transition groups. And it's yeah. like, no, they're not ready for the adult, adult stuff. I feel like, but it's, you know, let's put some books up there that model figuring that out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, So kind of touching on, you know, the romance stuff, like, and then the age group. So how you kind of touched on a little bit, how do you like tread that, that line of the steaminess? Carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honest. So that was one of the hardest parts because, of course, I've been writing adult paranormal, very steamy adult paranormal romance um, for, you know, 10 years. Um, And what it, how do I put this? I wrote the scenes um, without worrying about the age necessarily, not nearly as steamy as I do the adult, adult ones. Um, but I wrote it without thinking about the age and then went back through and went, let's add some realism where the age comes in. Let's add those awkward moments where this is a first time and how do you do this and what is what is pushing this do? And like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't know. You don't know what your body does at 18. <laughs> like, you yeah. don't figure that out. And yeah. um, And darned if you don't, you certainly don't know what the other person's does. And so I think figuring that out, but also figuring out that the physical isn't the only piece of it, that the emotional part is even more important and that that is equally, if not more awkward than the physical piece of it is figuring out the emotional piece and how that fits in. So that's, I wrote it and then I went, okay, let's make it all more ink like stream streamlined a little bit so it's exactly not like young adult and then all of a sudden it's, <laughs> it's whoa, whoa. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no and i did like um you know the two you know i don't know what you want to call it en- enemies to lovers and i don't think that's a spoiler right i think that's like in no, summary it's definitely for, enemies to lovers <laughs> yeah yeah and like it's i but i i don't know because i liked them and their their interactions were so it just it did seem authentic because i don't know because you know i've read books where it's like such a slow burn and there's like so much pining and i'm like oh just do it all right <laughs> yeah. get it over with finally. just do it you know and then there's other was where it's like you kind of miss those little moments. Like there's just like larger moments. And so I really liked Revan and Marin, um, if I'm pronouncing those names correctly. You are. Good job. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, so no, I just, I, yeah, it did seem authentic and I just really liked their, their interaction and where they were both like, uh, Marin is so funny. Cause she was like, who the heck is this person? Like, why, why <laughs> am I, f- I don't like feeling these things, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that could be true. You know, not, maybe not, you know, in normal day life, we hope, you know, we hope that 
Stockholm syndrome isn't like super common, but it's like, you know, but um, I think that's also kind of common with that. Anybody within that age range or maybe even adults too, where we're kind of like, like the bad boy a little bit. Yeah. And kind of wondering like, you know, well, yeah. Like you're wondering what the other person is thinking. And then you're wondering like, why do I have these feelings and what, I've got bigger fish to fry. Like I've got, you know, and so, um, no, I really liked them. And, um, oh, kind of like touching on what you mentioned earlier was like, that was the challenging part for you to kind of like tread that line a little bit carefully. Mm -hmm. Um, what were, if I asked you like, what was the most challenging and then what was like the most enjoyable part to write? Like, would that kind of still be true or, or, yeah. Yeah. The, the heat level definitely was probably the most challenging piece just to try to balance that. Like I was very um, deliberate about that and did think, all right, what would I want my kids and um, by the time they hit about 18 to read and what would I want them to get away from, you know, come, come away yeah, from yeah. with that. And um, so that was definitely the most challenging part. I, I think the easiest and probably most enjoyable part was writing um Marin's attitude (laughs) um I had I tend to have a very snarky sense of humor myself um mine tends to be even darker than hers so on the page it comes across bitchy for me and which means that I have to be very deliberate in making it more humorous and that's fun for me yeah that's awesome well you know in all fairness she's like in a situation that she doesn't nobody wants to be in so it's just like screw you like screw everyone i'm yeah you know and i love that she was underestimated just for the fact that they didn't know that they had the wrong one and you know they're kept reminding like like i thought you were you know like i didn't expect you like throw knives at my head like i didn't (laughs) (laughs) i just loved it because you could just like easily picture a revan like wait what the hell like what yeah this was supposed to be you know she was supposed to be pretty big pretty women we're like i could just like imagine yeah like it's like her like out of nowhere just from his point of view like a dagger coming at his head and she's just like like screw you like where did this come from exactly yeah Yeah, that was like some some moments like that just them leading up to like getting to know each other and res- and just that level of respect that was going on between them and how they had to navigate because i think i don't know i think revan was like definitely um resistant as well um but also so it was like for both of them to kind of navigate those un unexpected or unwanted like feelings and yeah because it definitely com- it, yeah it definitely complicates things because it raises stakes and especially with like, I want to get into like the political aspect of it too. Cause there's like politics involved with all these, Mm -hmm. like the rulers and, and also just hiding a a body double essentially. Um, So how does like, did you have to do like any other research, maybe not related to politics, but maybe anything um, that might've surprised you like any, anything that was different this time around versus like your other, your other works. Sure. So um, the biggest thing with this one was that, so my previous books, they're all paranormal romance set in the current world. We talked about that. And, and, and so my world building with those really came out of the plot and the characters more than anything. Um, but particularly out of the plot, what can I do to them from a paranormal standpoint at this moment, that's going to be cool and yet throw a spanner and whatever they're trying to do and um, torture my characters, so to speak. <laughs> and so the world building would really just happen as I went along. 
um, more than anything. I would basically have an idea of what kind of creature they were because I do shifters um, and exactly, you know, where I wanted them to end the book. And that was it. All the rest of the world building happened as I went. And this one, I, I approached it such a completely different way. Um, completely different way. <laughs> it started out with, um, I knew I wanted to incorporate fairy tales, but not do a full fairy tale retelling. It was more like incorporate elements from different fairy tales. Um, and so, and I didn't want to juice just to the big ones. And so I did some research on fairy tales and happened to stumble across this obscure fairy tale by um, Hans Christian Andersen that was about a man who sheds his shadow. And then the shadow eventually becomes a real man, takes over the guy's life and kills him. And I went, ooh, I have yeah. a hero <laughs> and a villain in the same guy, sort of. Um, yeah. You know, that so right there, that's where I started was from that. And then what I actually ended up doing was um, I knew I needed a heroine, especially since it was going to be from her point of view, that um, was going to balance those two characters out and be able to stand up to them and next to them, yeah. if that makes any sense. So I needed a very strong heroine with her own big problems that she's dealing with and um, which is where she came from. And once I had those three, I went, okay, what's the world look like? And it entirely came about from the villain's backstory. Okay. All of the cool. mythology, all of the who they are and their powers and how those go up against each other and everything came from that. And I wrote an entire backstory that's literally a spreadsheet that's like <laughs> what the villain knows, what the hero knows, what the heroine knows, what the world thinks they know, what really happened. And like, it goes back to the beginning of time. And so um, I did all of that, which I consider research essentially Yeah, uh, yeah. before I wrote a single word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so important. And I would say the, the work was, it, it was totally worth it. And it totally paid off because it, knowing that much detail, even if not all that detail is explicitly stated, it still helps you like flesh out everything and make those connections. And um, that's really cool though. Cause I don't know, I, we, you hear the name Hans Christian Anderson, but that's really cool that that was one of the stories and that you were able to mm -hmm. use that as inspiration or to, to just, you know, you're like, oh shit, like, like, how would this character be like in this type of story type of thing? And I think, well, that's and so which one is really the villain and which one's the hero? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that's, yeah, that's super cool. Um, and that's, it just makes everything so complicated too. Cause then the reader knows uh, essentially what, um, Marin knows, Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's really cool for the reader to kind of go on that. Um, Discovering. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, that could be tricky, too. Um, so what did, um? let me see. Oh, is this your first character with a twin? Like. No, <laughs> no. You know, I've had twins before. And I'm trying to think my first series, which is no longer out, is they had that where there was a set of twins in that series um there i'm trying to think if there was any twins in my dragons oh there's quadruplets in my dragons. <laughs> phoenixes um sisters and then um i think one of my cowboys under my other pen name has a twin it's a brother sister twin okay 
That's so, so yeah, funny. I use twins a lot. <laughs> so what draws you to using like the twins or is it just like, how does that, why do you, why do you kind of gravitate towards using that, you know, makeup? For your stories. Really good question. Um, I'm not entirely sure why I get drawn to those as much as I do with the quadruplets. It's because um, I knew that their father, his backstory was that he was killed while they were in the womb. So there couldn't be any more sisters that were completely blood related. So I was like, all four need to be born at once. Boom, quadruplets. (laughs) Um, And they don't look anything alike. So there's no like ability to, you know, switch places or anything like that. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm writing a switching places twins in my kitten Christmas romance that I'm writing right now. Um, <laughs> got a theme and I didn't know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, so there's that piece to it. I also think that with twins, there's such a different dynamic to the sibling relationship. Um, I had, a, um, I don't have a twin myself, but I had a, a best friend in um, high school who ended up living with us almost in our entire senior year of high school. And, um, and so I felt like I got that dynamic a little bit with her and just having somebody exactly the same age going through exactly the same things that you're going through, but with a completely different personality. And so mm. those experiences are so different and how they relate to the world is so different. Um, and which made it really fun. And I think even more fun in book two, which is I'm in the middle of edits on and because I didn't get as much page time to explore that twin relationship in book one, but it definitely gets explored <laughs> in the, oh, in nice. the rest of the series much more. Yeah. I know. I, I appreciate that too. I mean, I don't have any twins. I have two of my best friends are twins. They're fraternal though. And, but it's, so funny that um I mean you could still tell that they they look still um you could tell Very that similar. they're that they're yeah that they're related in this mm-hmm. like same immediate family yeah. <laughs> but um yeah and it's it is so interesting that they do I love them both to death but you could tell like you know the differences between the both of them and um I don't know I think maybe it is just a twin thing for from what I've not observed from other sets of twins, but maybe heard from other people who observe sets of twins where it's like, and it's, it's so funny. I think it's so crazy how it's like, yeah, nature versus nurture. But if they're both raised by the same family and with the same resources, the same environment, and still there's those certain traits like are really just taking over and shining through um, that could definitely make for interesting not only interactions, but relationships and friendships. That's so funny that she had a, she had to hide it for like so long. And then it was like, Oh shit. Like, like how they <laughs> so forget how they, how everyone, Oh, it was because um after they shared that moment, cause I'm trying to remember like how that big reveal was. And then it I've... was like, Oh yeah. Like how, you know, they, her, her, the jig was up yep um at least not with not with everybody but you know like with 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 the important Mm -hmm. people yeah and um i just yeah i I was just like once i was getting to that part was like oh like that's why i was like yep like oh god here here we go here we go but it's like i don't know like you you my heart breaks for him a little bit but at the same time is like dude you fucking brought this on yourself. Sorry right, for yeah, my you language. Stole a princess. Yeah, yeah, you like... the dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like it's not her fault that you like 
yeah. you know, caught, caught she's feelings. just protecting her sister and her kingdom. And like, <laughs> right. She's, she's got only... other priorities beyond you. Exactly. Like she, yeah. It, and it's like also the implications of that, of like her, how she just like grew up her whole life, like being trained and being led to just that basic responsibility and kind of like how that would make her feel. But I think then definitely that's still like that allowed her to gain these other skills that proved probably her to be more useful than her sister, unfortunately, mm-hmm. or, you know, or at least certainly more to able to persevere situation like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, like we're especially like her experiences with Kane, which I, you know, kind of feel bad for him too, but so no, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. So you kind of feel for him a little bit, but you're also like, uh, like, you know, just let, you know, let her do her thing. Let her, let her be. It's okay. You're going to be fine. That's like, very hard for him. He's going to, it's yeah. going to get worse for him. Poor guy. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the suffering is not done. Like, <laughs> the suffering's not over now. <laughs> it is. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> All right, just a few more questions. So, yeah. oh, first of all, I love the cover. How did that process go for you? Oh my gosh, the cover so gorgeous. Elizabeth did the cover and entangled my publisher and she nice. did amazing. Um I mean, it's just gorgeous. This was the cover and the title were um a difficult process actually. Uh original originally the title was going to be The Queen is Dead. No. Oh. <laughs> Um, which I loved. The problem was that about halfway through the cover process, Queen Elizabeth, they started having news things come out about her health and how oh, her health was degrading. We oh were like, no, if she passed away <laughs> right after this book came out. Like that would just be a little too. Mm, yeah. like, mm, no. So yeah. we changed the title um, to the liar's crown, which I love. And um, so it ended up being, I think a very good title. Um, it is. But, so there was that part of the process, but I want to say they went through something like, 35 cover designs before they landed on this one. And it was, it was a whole process and it was a lot of, I didn't realize how much um, kind of behind the scenes it it would go into for the cover process. It's things like they would land on a cover that we all liked it entangled and then show it to the book buyers who would be like, no, that's not going to sell as well in the YA space. Okay, Okay. Back to the drawing board. And you know, there was the question of like, we went back and forth about if we wanted people on the cover, not people on the cover, um, et cetera. And what they landed on with the, it looks like if you can look up close at it, it looks like it's embroidered, which I think is so cool. And um, that's just such a cool detail. And I love the fact that it's kind of the the sweet and the sour, the skull with the flowers. Um, and I just got the cover for book two. And we're going to oh, do a cover reveal soon yeah. here. And it's just and and it, it keeps that sweet and sour look to it. So Yeah, and I like I just really liked how at each um the part separations and then each chapter had those little like intricate like little details that went along. The details, with the cover weren't too. they? Yeah. Pretty with the yeah. Oh, I love I love all the different details that they added um throughout. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I loved it too. I just think it's so interesting, like when it's really like really a fascinating cover, it's is it because there's like just different experiences like some 
authors, they have like a spreadsheet and everything and they're really involved and sometimes they're not at all, but they still love it. So I thought it was just interesting about how it, it could be, it could go either way. It can go either way. I tend to sit back. And, so I'm a cover designer myself. I design okay. covers for, um, for other romance, uh, authors. And so was I, that hard for you to kind of like step back and, and, or did that just mean that you kind of more so knew what you wanted? Like how did. No, I definitely didn't know what I wanted. I tend to, because I'm actually, because I've worked with Entangled on so many books, I have yet to not love a cover that they've done for me. And so I trust them completely yeah. when it comes to covers. You know, I have had some covers out there from other publishers where I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> th- but they do take my feedback into account. Absolutely. I try not to give it unless it's something that's really important to me or bothering yeah. me because otherwise yeah. I'm like, I know how much work they went into this and how much they've considered the market and how much they've considered what will sell or what will match the story um, and all, all of that. So I, I, I really trust them with my covers in a big that's way. That's awesome. No, that's, I bet that's makes the process so much more helpful and easygoing and versus not vibing, you know, yes. like <laughs> yeah. uh, for sure. So um, what, what advice would you give to Marin? What advice would you give to Revan? Moving forward and as it goes. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, like try also like, try, you know, try to be a little spoiler free. Uh, yeah, it just gonna, could be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> try, yeah. Um, I think the biggest part of that is going to be figuring out, because they're still figuring out who they are are both of them. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why from a romantic standpoint, they connect as well as they do is because they both come from a place where they weren't wanted. Mm. We're supposed to be kind of a throwaway thing that other people manipulate into what they want them to be. And, and yet still have uh, so much, so many other people dependent on them in a huge way that like that just gives them such a connection point. And meanwhile, they're still figuring out, like they think that they're not worthy there. That's mm. still a very much a kernel inside both of them. And so it's like, you're going to have to figure out how to work around all the handicaps that you've got and who you are and who you want to be in this world. And then move from there, you know, from there it's, it's really that more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. It's, it's, yeah, you just want to reassure them, like your words. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's okay. Like, don't think that about yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> at and, the same time, and it's okay to want things for yourself, yeah, and not just for you know what you've been trained to be yeah. in this world, and not just for others, and not just for you know, yeah, yeah. Which is definitely hard to break away from, since that's what they've just grew known up their with. whole lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. A last question. What what can we look forward to in the, the next book that you're um, allowed to share? Um, so I can't share too much because it would be very spoiler. Spoilery. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, it just continues the ride very much. You get a lot more, I think, of the relationships with the people that um, we only get to be introduced to. <clears throat> so with her sister, with kind of the found family that he's got. Um, and also with the villain, you get a lot more of his backstory and what happened to make him who he is and, you know, mm-hmm. why he's doing what he's doing. And, and of course, things escalate because 
they've got to. And then yeah. we're going to resolve it all in book three, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Now, cause yeah. Cause I, I, I kind of, I wondered that too, cause with um the villain, but that kind of just goes back to, we just know what, what Marin knows. Mm-hmm. So we're along, we're along for the ride. We're like, yeah, come on. Like, Go find those answers. Like what <laughs> he starts the book thinking she knows exactly who he is and what he is and why he's doing well, not why. They never know why. And mm-hmm. um, they figure that they find out in book two. It's and it's I think it's a surprise. Nice. Yeah. I, surprises are good. And it's also because it, it doesn't seem that simple. This little seems a little bit complicated. Like it's yeah, it's definitely not simple. I the best villains to me are the ones that actually have a reason for who and what they become. Um, and to me, I don't think villains are just born villains. I don't think somebody comes into this world and is like, I'm going to do evil now. <laughs> like that's just not how it works. Like most villains think they are the hero of the story. They are exactly. doing something because they think they're saving. I mean, just look at like Thanos and, you know, Avengers. Yeah. Where, yeah. yeah. It's a terrible thing he does, but it's for a, reason like a yeah reason, like it's, yeah, it's kind of justifiable but like right <laughs> kind of um and so i i like to find story which is why i very much figured out exactly what his backstory was well before i started writing the book nice yeah yeah that's probably kind of why it resonated with you a little bit and why you were drawn to that and Mm-hmm. Why you're like, ooh, I can, what can I, I do? I can play with this. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, okay. Abigail Owen, The Liar's Crown comes out August 30th. Um, thank you so much. This was such a cool conversation. Loved uh, getting you. to know you. And oh, you too. It, yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for number two. And, um, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to add some of your uh, works on my to read this or my to listen list um, because, you know, I, I, I'm digging your style and I'm a sucker for some of those steamy, steamy parts. So we'll see. Well, depending on if how much I can handle it, you know, because steamy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, I, I did a lot of my reading like in one chunk. And so um, the dangerous part of that is just kind of getting a little overloaded and like having to take a break or something. But like, so, <laughs> yeah. which wasn't too bad with this because of the age group. But I yeah. think, yeah, if I was going to go more towards just by looking at the covers of the your adult, other yeah. works, I'm just like, oh, ow. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay i will add these on my tube read list then. <laughs> nice. i hope you love them <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah i'm excited to to tackle them so um thank you so much and do you have any like um like social media website you want to plug real quick um all my social media you can get to from my website which is abigailowen.com uh, i'm on pretty much everything facebook twitter tiktok instagram linktree bookbub perfect perfect um awesome so yeah once again thank you so much and you know i'll i'll keep an eye out thank you so much i really have fun and there you have it that was abigail olin talking about the liar's crown um which comes out august 30th as always rate review subscribe you can find links to her social and website and uh where you can purchase the book in the show notes If you want to stay up to date with my book reviews and author interviews, you can follow Cantina Book Club on Twitter and on Instagram. And, you know, as always, follow the Nerd Cantina on those platforms as well. Join us in the Facebook community group. And as always, thank you for listening.